Welcome back to The Storyliner, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and this is episode six of the podcast, created with a submission from Christopher Barnes. While he's not a writer, he's certainly a storyteller, using narrative in a very unique way to drive, of all things, the sale of wine and spirits. We'll talk about this in depth during our upcoming interview installment. So, episode six. When we were first developing the storyliner, a very common question was, how many episodes will you have? Our answer usually was, no idea, let's see where it goes. But as we read Christopher's submission, I think the answer started to become a little more definitive. I don't know about you, but I'm starting to feel an end coming. Since you, the audience, are driving this, and we are simply riding shotgun, I'm not sure yet what that end will be, but I feel it coming. So for now, let's all plan on this. Two more episodes. We'll wrap up Season 1, take a quick break, and get cracking on the great stuff we have in store for Season 2. But lest we get ahead of ourselves, here's Episode 6. Previously on The Storyliner. And what do you do for money? Brad, I work in insurance, he replied. The hole was from the first camera he'd found during his sweep of the apartment. What I have is in a storage space. I'll give you the key, and then we can all be done with each other. The two texts, which neither of them had sent, were identical. Oh my god, Marianne, the guy! The guy from the executive dating service! Like, I think he's interested in buying the company, so get down here. That's in order! She unfolded it and saw that it was his family tree, ending with their two names and a blank space beneath it. Who's doing all this shit? Glenn pointed to the empty space below their two names on the family tree and said, I think it's him. Can you come out tonight, he said. I think we've got some business to discuss. The benefit party was at an upscale red brick townhouse in Chinatown. It was pounding out music so loudly that Marianne felt small waves of nausea with each vibration. She rang the doorbell, and the door was opened a moment later by a large, balding, older man wearing a black tuxedo and headset. Behind him, the loud trance music pounded through the doorway like hot blasts of wind. From the way he immediately scowled at the sight of Marianne, she assumed he either hated trance music, the sight of her, or more likely both. The man bellowed, On the list! It was almost impossible to make out what he was saying, and Marianne wasn't certain the man would even hear her. I don't think so, Marianne shouted back over the music. I'm a guest of Tiffany von Vandenberg. I'm her assistant, and she has my ticket? That's a problem, the man shouted back. Why didn't you come together? Marianne was still too hungover to generate an appropriate summary, so she simply shouted, We hate each other! The man considered this for a moment, then stepped to the side of the door and gestured for her to enter. After the FaceTime with Tiffany, it had taken all of Marianne's strength to get out of her makeshift bed, take a quick shower, and get dressed. To ease the nerves she'd felt while dressing, she'd taken a shot of bourbon for each article of clothing she put on. Fortunately, she wasn't wearing much. A low-cut red dress that she'd worn on her vacation with Glenn, now the only dress she owned. Inside the house was a series of loft-like rooms. Marianne recalled from Tiffany's invitation that each room was supposed to have a theme. 
She entered the main party room and immediately recognized all the furnishings, dark-toned pieces from a variety of Asian regions. It was a careless, moneyed mismatch, but the 20 to 30 sweaty dancers writhing around the furniture seemed too under the sway of the pounding music, DJ lights, and marijuana smoke to care. What's the theme of this room? Marianne asked the man with the tuxedo. Rich assholes in a cheap whorehouse, the man replied. Marianne pulled up a picture of Tiffany on her phone and said, This is my boss. Have you seen her? Oh, yeah, the man replied after looking at the picture. She's on the roof with Lee Johnson. Who? You don't know Lee Johnson? the man asked. What was the right answer? Marianne thought to herself. Well, I knew him well enough to collude in a fraud attempt, but not well enough to get his name, she could say. But instead, she simply replied with the most accurate answer. No! Well, odds are, the man said as he pointed her toward the elevator to the roof, he knows who you are. The roof had been turned into the chill-out lounge, but no one there looked particularly chill. Whereas the downstairs floor was set up for the assistants to blow off steam and make out with each other, the upstairs had been set up for their bosses to simmer and size up each other. Music that consisted of two-note soft percussion was mood-assisted by atomizers that wafted citrus-scented aromatherapy oil at regular intervals. The deck was finished with a real grass green carpet and big beanbag chairs where young, mostly bearded men wearing expensive suits and shabby chic sneakers sat. The men looked blankly at their phones and occasionally shared a word with each other, but mostly just stared at the women circling the bar. This was a tech benefit, so there were few women, and what few there were had worn skirts too short for beanbags, and so had no choice but to stand at the round bar placed at the center of the roof. They wandered slowly around it, gliding their arms up and down as they moved, no doubt trying to get a good phone signal in undertowered Chinatown. Their gliding slow-motion cycles around the bar made them almost seem to hover, like pensive apparitions trying in vain to cross over. The women and men had all spent hundreds to be here, yet to Marianne it seemed they'd all rather be somewhere else, with the exception of Tiffany, who Marianne was able to find simply by following the sound of her loud laughter. True to her commitment to public excellence, Tiffany was making sure everyone could see she was having the best time of anyone at the party. She had stacked three beanbag chairs so she could sit comfortably and cavort with the two most recognizable men there, failed artist-turned-deal-fixer, Italian Bob, and the occasional tech investor and frequent party drug dealer, Luca Domingo Domingo. Tiffany didn't get up when she saw Marianne, extending her cheek slightly so that Marianne knew she was expected to brush it with her own. So happy to see you, my dear, she gushed with her best Hollywood step-and-repeat smile. You, of course, know Italian Bob and Luca Domingo Domingo. Do you have a tracksuit? Domingo Domingo asked Marianne matter-of-factly, as though inquiring about a piece of gum. After a puzzled moment, Marianne replied, Not on me. Italian Bob cackled with druggy laughter and shouted, Tiffany, this is your assistant? She could run the fucking place. Oh, I know, Tiffany replied, her grin diminishing only slightly. She patted the beanbag next to her and said, Take a seat, dear. Marianne took a seat, though the beanbag made it more kneeling, as she knew was Tiffany's intention. As she sat, she finally noticed that Italian Bob was holding the largest joint she'd ever seen. Luca was just talking about how absolutely impossible it is to find a fashionable tracksuit that actually fits, Italian Bob said, 
You know, like Run DMC tracksuits. You have to get them tailored. Italian Bob took a drag on the joint and handed it to Domingo Domingo, who reciprocated. Marianne knew it was moving in her direction. Even in her barely coherent state, she knew one hit could send her toppling off the roof. Conversely, turning down the weed of two highly connected dealmakers was professionally unwise. She'd need to transition to business before the joint made it to her. So, Tiffany, where's your date? Marianne asked, abruptly ending the tracksuit conversation to the clear annoyance of Domingo Domingo. I should have known. That's all you wanted with us, Italian Bob said with a dismissive wave of the hand. Where's Lee Johnson? No offense to you, Tiffany, Domingo Domingo said as he handed her the joint. But how the hell did you get a date with Lee Johnson? Italian Bob continued, one of the wired 100 disruptors, one of the Forbes 20 under 25. And plus, he's just, he's got gobs of money. Gobs and gobs, Domingo Domingo said with a reverent nod. And now he has our Tiffany too, Italian Bob said with a too familiar squeeze of Tiffany's knee. Domingo Domingo leaned in closer to Tiffany, his face even more serious and repeated. How the hell did you get a date with Lee Johnson? Well, Tiffany said with a coquettish grin, he asked me out, actually. How, Italian Bob said, wagging a scolding finger at her. Tell me how you just met Lee Johnson. We got matched by an executive dating service. Bullshit, Italian Bob shouted, then put his hands under his chin like a schoolgirl and said, tell me more. Assistants usually handle the correspondence with the service, naturally. So you have to list your assistant's contact info. And well... Tiffany paused, about to light the joint, then reluctantly said, Apparently, he saw Marianne's name and reached out, because he's a positively effusive fan of her website. Domingo Domingo considered this for a moment, then removed the joint from Tiffany's hand and immediately extended it to Marianne. Tell me everything, Domingo Domingo said. Everything there is to know about your website. Ava rose from the table and folded up the family tree. You're just leaving? Glenn asked. Ava had picked up her purse but immediately threw it down and said, Really? You're actually going to ask me if I'm leaving? I'm sorry, Glenn replied. You fucking should be, Ava said. After a moment's silence, Ava sat back down and reluctantly said, Assuming that he's ours. So he hates the people who gave him up. Fine. I'd maybe hate us too. But robbery, insurance fraud, and what's with the cameras? Glenn shrugged and said he has access to gear that most people don't have. And he configured it in a way that prior to now, I thought only I could. But why is he doing it? It's some kind of message, I assume. No, it's not. A text is a message. And the fact that we're both sitting here proves he obviously has a handle on that. He had a reason. We just have to figure it out, Glenn said. No, we don't, Ava replied. Jesus, you are always so quiet. It was easy to miss how fucking self-important you are. This isn't a straight-to-Netflix thriller, Glenn. 
I don't have to crack a code, and I'm not going to track anything down. She stood back up and said, I can just leave. It seemed to work all right for you, then reached into her purse and handed him a key. This is for the storage space. Hopefully she'll get everything back, and it'll be like the whole thing never happened. Ava left without another word, and Glenn watched her go. He was still looking at the door long after she'd walked through it. He was getting up to leave when the bartender said, Sorry about that, man. You want another drink? Sorry for what? Glenn asked. I'm just saying sorry it didn't work out with her. Glenn looked at him for a long moment and finally realized from his glazed eyes and sheepish smile, this man wasn't psychic. He was just a tip hustler working Glenn to stay. It's a numbers game, man, the bartender continued. Another guy was with her just before you and struck out, but he packed it in too soon. Stick around and you'll see. There'll be a million more like her tonight. Can you tell me what that guy looked like? Glenn asked. Lee Johnson was nowhere to be found, and after taking two hungover hits off the joint while pitching her sight to two men who reeked of VC capital even more than they did of weed, Marianne was finally ready to vomit. She excused herself and headed for the elevator. When it arrived, she punched the button for the first floor, where she recalled seeing a bathroom. She shut her eyes to focus on calming her stomach, and so didn't notice that someone else had entered the elevator. Hey, Marianne, he said. She knew from the voice who it was before she opened her eyes. Lee Johnson, Marianne said. That's your name. It is. Came up with it myself, actually. Lee wore a tailored suit, nice enough to look like he belonged at the party, but not so nice that he'd stand out. Sort of a long story, though, he continued. Do you have a second to talk? That's why I'm here, Marianne replied. Great, Lee said, and pressed the emergency stop button on the elevator. Marianne had only been in the elevator for a few seconds, but a day of tequila and two hits of weed were already squeezing the walls toward her. No offense, Marianne said, but I don't feel comfortable talking to you in an elevator right now. Why not? Lee replied. It's the only place here where we won't have to yell, won't be overheard, and won't be interrupted. Of course we'll be interrupted, Marianne said, as she slid down to the floor to gain some imaginary distance from the elevator ceiling that she perceived to be only inches above her head now. You just hit the emergency stop, she continued, which calls the fire department. It won't, though, Lee replied. And how do you know that, Marianne asked. I've researched this building, Lee said. It's got dozens of unpaid safety violations on record, like this emergency stop button that sends a distress signal to no one. Marianne couldn't help chuckling and said, Do you research every building you visit? Of course, Lee replied. You don't? Is this what you want to talk about? Marianne asked. No, Lee replied. I mostly just wanted to apologize. I can't imagine why, Marianne said. Of course, I obviously had ulterior motives when we met, but I never intended to hurt you, specifically. Then what were you trying to do? I thought I knew, Lee replied. I was certain, in fact, when I met you, but now it all seems as poorly conceived as this benefit. There was a flyer for the party on the floor of the elevator, and Lee picked it up and handed it to Marianne. They threw it together to celebrate the launch of this company, Lee said. Date Lee. The revolution in romance. Have you heard how it works? 
Barely, Marianne said. I think you send a saliva swab off to some lab while an app monitors your physical and social data, and somehow you get a match. Their proprietary love triangle algorithm, Lee said. You know, I was their first investor. It's pure garbage, of course, he continued, but people will buy it. You gotta wonder, though, what if it actually worked? What if it had existed, say, when Ava and Glenn first met? Why are you doing all of this? Marianne shouted. Glenn still hasn't told you? Hasn't told me what? Hmm, Lee said, and depressed the emergency stop button. Then I guess I'm not sorry for what's going to come next. Good night, Marianne. The elevator opened and Lee walked out, immediately disappearing into the sweaty wrangle of dancing bodies. As the heat of the dance floor began to wrap around her, Marianne felt oddly at ease now, the hangover bringing down the paranoia of the weed and the weed calming the churn of the hangover. She moved closer to the dance floor. She knew she should connect with Glenn, but the thought of doing so filled her with dread. Here, for a while, she could just be another intern. The deep beat of the music began to draw her in toward its center. In the back of the taxi, Glenn waited for his FaceTime call to connect. When it finally did, he immediately recognized the face of his insurance agent. Hey, buddy, Brad said. What's going on? How do you know him? Glenn asked. Lee? Brad replied. I don't know him at all. He found me. Probably less than a day after he became our biggest investor, which was probably a day after I became your agent. He's really got it in for you, Glenn. Did he tell you why? Glenn asked. Brad grinned widely and said, nope. And once he told me what I was going to get paid, I sure as heck wasn't going to ask. Why were you at the bar tonight? Brad chuckled and said, great question. But I think I'm going to have to pass on that one, Glenn. Anything else I can do for you? Can you contact him? Glenn asked. Maybe, Brad replied. The cameras he installed in my apartment, Glenn said. Tell him to turn them back on in about two hours. Why would he do that? Brad said. Because I'm reinstalling them, Glenn replied. A place I think he'll find interesting. Thanks to Christopher Barnes for a great submission. We'll talk with Christopher next time about his work, his submission, and hopefully the origins of Italian Bob and Domingo Domingo. As I mentioned earlier, we've only got a few episodes left in this season, so if you've been putting off crafting a submission for us, your time is now. At the risk of sounding like a public radio pledge driver, I'd just like to remind you that we are a listener-supported show. We don't need your money, but we do need your creativity. We can't reward you with a tote bag, but you probably already have one. And being part of the show and getting interviewed will be way, way cooler. Starting today, we're accepting submissions for Episode 7. If you, like me, are starting to see how this could end, help us arrive at that conclusion. Check out the submit page of our site, thestoryliner.com, and get started today. Who needs a review? We need a review. It helps us. So once I'm done talking at you, please, seriously, Take 15 seconds and write us a review on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app on your phone. We'll turn the best review we receive into a post that we'll share on our Facebook page. Help us get famous. Help yourself get famous. Let's all be famous together.
It'll be great. Keep listening, keep typing, and we look forward to your submission. Music and sound design for our show were composed by Stefan Boblio. Logo and site were designed by The Apartment. Michelle Monoforti read today's episode. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. Its award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.